And here we are back once again. Rogue Table Talks. Leave us number 97. Number 97. Yeah. That makes me think 100's coming up, man. It's pretty, yes. Pretty you gotta do something math. for the yeah, centennial. What is that? Is something. that the centennial? Yeah, <laughs> for our for centennial years? anniversary. <laughs> yeah, what would we do? Uh, that's I don't a good know. Question. We have to. I don't know. Just talk about. <laughs> lots happen. I have hundred guests. Mean, hundred guests on the hundredth podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, lots happen. I mean, you think back. It's you know, it was a long time ago in a way. It wasn't, but it was. You know, it was two years ago. But it was. I mean, you were living here. It was a pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world was pretty different. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting marker of of time, uh, and I'm sure our vast RTT nation is planning yeah. some big celebration. Yeah, I feel like we if do. it is we RTT should. nation, we need to put out some merch. We should. Yeah, we should. <laughs> you have to think about what that is, right? Yes. Yep. Um, yes, I listen. I've listened to all 100. <laughs> you're definitely in the rtt nation i'm in the, yes the centennial club um uh so yeah we are um as we are uh reproaching 100 uh, episodes we're approaching the end of the gospels uh story and uh we have uh we have an uh an episode here where Jesus clears the temple. Um, and I, I just, I think we don't exactly know what to do with this always, or we don't you know what category to put this in. So, and partly I think perhaps because we, um, I, I think last time we said we, everyone gets Jesus at least a little bit wrong. You know, I just think, you know, how do we think of Jesus? When we think of Jesus ourselves in the church, in the culture, what do we think of? Yeah. Um, so what, what what do you think we think of when we think of Jesus? Well, I think we, we probably typically think of Jesus as being really nice, uh, soft-spoken maybe, never yeah. losing his patience. Like just, you know, anything could happen to him. He gets punched in the face and he just turns and smiles and, mm-hmm. you know. You're free to do it again. I, I don't know. I feel like maybe that. That's one one version. Quiet, meek, gentle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there's the there's the you know, other views of God, like the endorsing grandfather who's, you know, gives you whatever you want and things like that. I don't typically think we naturally view Jesus as I don't know controversial or a strong figure uh initially i don't know Mm -hmm. that's kind of what i think or jesus is my homeboy he's he's my friend who's always with me and it's not that that's not true it's not that jesus wasn't kind it's just that that's usually a caricature of you know things yeah and you know you think of kids bible stories depicting the Gospels or even movies or, you know, anytime we see the image of 
Jesus depicted. It's a humble rabbi, you know, sandals, you know, outside in the sun and the dust, mm-hmm. teaching, you know, maybe healing. But, um, it, you know, there is a, there is, and like you said, all of that is a true part of the picture. But then we tend to forget or not think of, uh, you know, what would complete the picture. And I think then sometimes um, we make a couple errors uh, along the way. Like perhaps, you know, we forget that he's God and therefore he can, as we've said, he can say and do things we probably shouldn't say or do. Um, and then, you know, certain episodes in the Gospels or certain things that he says come along and we just, it doesn't fit neatly into that category. And so we, we I don't know what we do. We kind of gloss over it uh, and we don't, I don't know, pay a whole lot of attention to it. And I think this passage that we'll look at uh, today is maybe in that in that category. Uh, it's when Jesus is clearing the temple and you know we're in the last we're in this holy week where jesus has come in triumphal entry and um and then of course there's a week or so before his arrest and trial and crucifixion and resurrection uh and you know, a lot of stuff happens in that week um and i mean i mean a lot of stuff happens in that week because they go from saying hosanna to crucify him mm. uh and so in Mark 11, 15 through 18, we read, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Uh, okay, so I, I guess first we need to, what's what's happening in this passage? What's going on? Uh, how do we understand it? Um, so I guess let's start with the temple courts. So what's the yeah. temple, what is that? Yeah, the outside of the temple, kind of like a, you know, courtyard to um, a building um, where they could, people who were coming to the temple to worship. So I think, let me just, let me just say this, driving out those who were buying and selling, you have to get a little bit of uh, background to understand it's not the, the problem's not that they were buying and selling. That's a pretty normal thing what they were buying and selling was uh, if travelers came and they didn't bring a sacrifice, a dove, a goat, a whatever, then they could buy that and they could go into the temple and they could sacrifice it. That's a very normal um, practice. The challenge was is that these money changers and the sellers were hiking up the prices, um, profiting from it, you know, using worship, using temple worship and temple sacrifice as a way for greed. And as far as I understand, and that's why he calls it a den of robbers, but as far as I understand, this is the second cleansing of the temple. There's one in John, which is three years earlier when he begins mm-hmm. his ministry, uh, John 2, and then in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is the one 
uh, Holy Week on reaching Jerusalem. It's another cleansing. And so, uh, you know, I think Jesus is purifying the temple, which would have been a, a signal to uh, the Jews that proper worship is about to be restored, which would have meant God is returning to the temple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, you know in Ezekiel, you know, Ichabod, the presence mm-hmm. of God leaves the temple in his, you know, displeasure with their idolatry, their worship and so on. And here is again, the presence of God entering the temple and it's, it's to cleanse it, you know, to press reset, to clear it out. Um, and, uh, yeah, so in this case, people would come to... There was only one place you could... There were different synagogues, but there was only one temple where God's presence was, where it was acceptable to sacrifice and where the high priest was, all that stuff. And so people had to travel. Um, and so either maybe they didn't bring an animal and they bought it, or um, I think even here, you know, the whole den of robbers thing I, I believe it was possible that they could have brought an, a, an animal and the people there said yeah that's not good enough you know we'll buy that one from you and we'll sell you this one um, so, <laughs> yeah so it was you know it was a complete racket um, where they were leveraging the people's I mean requirement really to sacrifice animals to be an observant you know Jew observant Israelite, this is what was prescribed. <clears throat> so there was this pretty constant demand for these animals and there's people coming in and, and making money off of it. And, you know, Jesus clears that out. Uh, and, and in the process, um, you know, judges, you know, issues a judgment against the people running the temple. You know, so that would have been, right, the high priest, you know, the hierarchy of the religious hierarchy was allowing this, profiting from it, right? It was not, uh, it was not something that was, that could happen without their, you know, approval, endorsement, or whatever. So they were a part of it as well. Uh, and so he's judging, he's, he's issuing a judgment to get the public you know, repudiation uh, against them, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is offensive to them because, um, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's confronting their greed. He's confronting um, their version of temple worship. Um, I think the fact that he cleanses it and purifies it is an indictment that it, it needed cleansing. Mm-hmm. Something, something's impure. To me, what, what I think is also really interesting is he, uh, he quotes from Isaiah 56 that says, uh, you know, their ho- our, the house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. <laughs> and I've probably preached this backwards, um, but I've, I've heard it a lot backwards. And most of the time people use that and say, you see, we should intercede for all peoples. That that's what churches, we're going to pray for all peoples. That's not wrong. But that's not what this text is talking about. This text is talking about how 
Gentiles will now be brought into the house of God because it says these I will bring mm -hmm. to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. He's talking about outsiders. And so there's another layer here of, you know, Gentile uh, worship was looked down upon. There was the court of the Gentiles where you can only come this far. You can, you're not acceptable because you're an outsider. And so I think Jesus is also preparing the way for not the, the new mission of God, but the true and expanded uh, mission of God, which uh, I don't know if uh, Israel got that well, but uh, with the sending of the Holy Spirit in the church and in, in bringing in uh, every tongue, tribe, and nation to, to the house of God. Yeah, and so it's that's kind of gets, you know, what it was the temple. It was the place... It was it was God's presence, and uh, it was this central location, and people came there, and the Gentiles were not permitted uh, to go in as far as, you know. So Jesus is saying here, in in addition to as you said, cleansing the temple, he's saying, uh, and you know, this is sort of a new wine, new wineskin sort of situation where that. Jesus is the Holy Spirit is God's presence that will be the temple available to all of us. Um, you know that you know the temple. I mean the temple now. Um, you know we are a nation of priests. The you know the the body of Christ, the church is this is the presence of God in the world. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in the world. It's the and so it, there's this radical shift of um, you know, now accessibility to the, what would be only allowed in the temple, accessibility to temple worship, well, it's now going to be exploded and expanded and made available to everyone. You know, it's we're about ready to, you know, to change everything here. And then, of course, when Jesus uh, dies, the uh, the temple, you know, the curtain tears from top to bottom uh the divider to the inner part of the temple where god's presence was where the ark of the covenant was that's sort of like okay now that jesus has paid the sacrifice you know everything's new everything's different and yet it's not just randomly different it's a fulfillment of all these promises as you've said that you know now it truly is god's temple is truly people from all over are, you know, can access the Holy of Holies, uh, in a sense. Um, and I think it's hard for us even to, because we think of temple, Jesus clearing the temple. You know, I don't know that we have a, it's like Jesus, it's not like Jesus going in and, you know, th throwing the tables over in the church coffee shop or something. Or you know, tipping the shelves of the church bookstore over. Uh, churches don't have, you know, it's not the same thing. Well, I, you know, back to your point of like, no, it's not. And back to your point of, yeah, you know, I, I know there's some people with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, more prophetic voices, and and you know, I, I don't believe the office of prophet, um, as it, it's listed in the Bible, is still around personally. But I do think there's people with more prophetic voices to call us to repentance and a, a cleansing of who we are in practice, so to speak. But I think this is one of those, um, 
yeah. Jesus yeah. is not our example in this area. I think this is Jesus is Messiah and he gets to do this. And um, I don't think I get to go into the church, you know, and flip the altar over and tell everybody, you know, this is a house of prayer, you know, knock, what the, you, you knock know, the display that type of, of thing. camp t-shirts I, I, I over think... and youth group sweatshirts. <laughs> you have this is not a twenty dollar t shirt. This is ridiculous. You you've made this for yeah, five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you know, and, and I don't mean to be um controversial, but I I think this people on both sides mm-hmm. of the political spectrum want to use this passage as permission to uh, use violence to get people's attention. And I, and to, I don't know what that's like to be on the other side of injustice. Um, but I don't know that violence is endorsed. Well, I would say this theologically, I don't think this endorses violence for anybody. Right. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And it's cause it's, that's not, it's, it's not like that it's, it, as we were saying, giving ridiculous examples of this is God himself. And we forget that. I mean, this is the object of worship of the temple. You know, one of the three members of the Godhead enters the temple to correct the injustices in the temple. And that's never going to be us. Uh, And so... You know, I think that's one of those, as you've said, is Jesus, we can't do everything Jesus does and can't say everything Jesus says because we're not God. Um, and this is one of those cases where it's not like Jesus just gets annoyed with them. And, uh, you know, and it's it's there's a different thing, a different prophetic uh, thing going on here, uh, as you said. And I, I agree, the office of prophet, I mean, Jesus was the, he fulfilled finally the office of prophet and priest and king. Um, so there are no more. Um, and so, yeah, I do think that's the sort of thing where if we think of Jesus as a person who is our example only, you know, that's back to the original, like, what, how do we think of Jesus? Then, you know, the question is, well, when should I clean the the temple? And the answer to some of those questions is never. Because that's, you know, right. we're not that, we're not the same thing. Um, and that kind of goes into the, you know, the bigger, you know, so that's partly when we think of Jesus wrongly or in a limited way, it's, it's easier to then use some misapprehension of that and justify, you know, something uh, in our own, you know, practice or whatever. Um, and I kind of then want to, you know, before we finish here, like what, how should we think of Jesus? What is an accurate, you know, you know, if everybody gets Jesus a little bit wrong, if we only think of him in terms of his incarnation, in terms of his humiliation, in terms of his uh, meekness and mildness and so on, which in gentleness and patience, um, and we only think of him in terms of saying, um, go and sin no more or whatever. Like, what what are we missing and why is that important? 
Um, and, you know, I think, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I think one of the things we miss, to put it in like more human terms, is we miss the strength of God if we, we, we look at those things. That takes great strength to be impatient and to forgive and to be gracious. But we also miss the backbone of Jesus to refuse to cut a deal at the price of his own integrity, refused to people please, refused to do what the crowd wanted him to do, for the sake of gaining momentum or a following or popularity, um, you know, refused to allow Peter to get in the way of his path to crucifixion. You know, we miss this strength of this. This was a man in the best, fullest, wholest, truest version, and you know, it, it it's it's. I think that's a huge aspect mm-hmm. of. If we only think of Jesus embodying the softer side of God, which that's true, then we miss the other side of get behind me, Satan, and you you guys are a brood of vipers mm-hmm. and right. you know those types of moments. Right. Yeah, we miss that. Uh, we miss again some of the things that he says and does that we probably we shouldn't say and do. Um, I also think. You know, we miss that those qualities were called for in his earthly life for that part of the mission, and other qualities that he has will are you know are present now and will be called for later. You know, I'm thinking of a couple um, a couple things like you know when John in Revelation sees Jesus when he's you know transported into heaven, whether that's physically or whatever. You know, he sees this awesome being and this disciple who, you know, is the disciple whom Jesus loved and they were close and they reclined together and ate and, you know, he was one of the inner circle and so on and so on. Uh, You know, John sees him, he falls down as if dead. You know, he Mm -hmm. is just, it's just what it says. Like he is awestruck uh, at the sight uh, of the risen Jesus, and that is Jesus as he is now. Uh, and so, you know, Jesus as he appears in his earthly ministry is a true look at Jesus, the God-man, but it is not a complete look, and we we forget the other parts of it, that now, yes, he's our friend, but he's also the king, he's also holy, he's also awesome, he's also one that if we saw, we may de- we, we may fall at his feet as if dead. Yeah, he's also powerful, and that's—I think—that's accurate. We—he veiled his glory mm-hmm. for his humiliation, mm-hmm. but it's not veiled anymore. Right. And so, does he still contain the same character and characteristics? Absolutely, but his glory is not veiled anymore. And so, it's—it's it's, you know, the transfiguration is a peek at that. And the disciples don't know what to do. Yeah. But every other instance in the, if you only consider Jesus incarnation, life ministry, you know, um, outside of that, everyone who gets a glimpse of God falls down mm-hmm. and says, basically, I'm, I'm not worthy. You're not you know, worthy. Go away from me. Right. Uh, that's right. They're, they're terrified, so to speak. So, yeah, I don't think, uh, I do think that's true. His exaltation, um, we will behold 
the risen Christ in his full glory. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that is I think we think of God in that sense. The Old Testament, you know, Isaiah and touch my lips with coal and I'm just on, you know, whatever this awesome. We think that somehow that's God the Father. Jesus is a man like us, gentle, kind, meek. Um, you know, the the part of God we can talk to personally and just, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> Holy Spirit, we don't know what to do with it all, you know, so we probably just don't think about them very much. And, you know, the reality is there are three co-equal elements of the Godhead. They're all God. They're all glorious. And uh, it's hard for us to have that, that category. Uh, and so, you know, that should inform my worship and thinking of him now, that he is the glorious risen king. He's not only, uh, you know, he's no longer in this state of, of his humiliation. Uh, and I think also another thing we forget, uh, I was teach, I was leading a class on just cultural conversations and cultural issues. And there's this sense of, you know, what are we supposed to do about the fallenness of our culture? You know, and there's a sense of, do we, we kind of want to have a war footing instead of a diplomacy footing. Uh, and that was not, that was not my, that's not my construct. It was somebody in the class said that. I thought, yeah, that's kind of good. We want to, we want a, a war, a war, a war footing. footing. Like we want to do battle against the culture. You know, we want to ride out and whatever, or, you know, without really articulating it this way, people want the church to carry that mm. war forward mm-hmm. to save the culture or whatever. Uh, and of course now we're not called to do that. We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to, you know, to, to the lost neighbor. We're supposed to be like the lost neighbor in order to win the lost neighbor. As Paul says that, you know, uh, and so, but, and the reason we don't have to go out and try to right all the wrongs by force, uh, is that one day Jesus will return on a white horse you know, with a sword, or maybe not, maybe that's figurative, but if it's figurative, it's figurative of he will return as judge. And, um, he, you know, he will return as the, as the one, you know, if you have not found, uh, his grace or have not, uh, you know, apprehended it, uh, you will, you will say, you will say, hey, to the rocks, you know, fall on us because we don't, we don't want to be subject to this terrible judgment that's coming. Uh, and I think we get that part wrong, too, that, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, this is a very, very small glimpse of that, uh, a very, very small, you know, precursor of the judgment that, you know, all the wrongs are going to be right, righted, all the books are going to be balanced. We don't have to be the judge now. Uh, because we have a judge who's in now is the time where we are the ambassadors. We are given this ministry of reconciliation and we can worry about judgment. We don't have to worry about judgment. Uh, we can, we can leave that to the one who will judge. And I think we don't think of him that way either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I think that's true. I think the sense of trembling the sense of you know to me it's this this tension um and there's a few authors that i think get it do it well and there's a few and that just they lean really heavily either on god's transcendence he's holy he's judge he's righteous 
or they lean really heavily on God's eminence. He's intimate, he's love, he's close to you. Well, both are true. Mm. Both are equally true. And I think it'd be good for us to maybe be aware of what do, what do I typically emphasize? And maybe I need to consider these other aspects of God where people fall on their face and they tremble. Or maybe I need to consider the nearness of God mm-hmm. and the compassion of God. But something there I think we usually miss. Um, the other thing I was thinking of when you were talking about war footing um, and, and our role it was so refreshing for me. I was in Acts and Paul at Covenant Seminary, and the professor said, "You know, when we when we often get this notion that this the church is this conquering, victorious, um, you know, entity and powerful and strong." And he's like, "I just don't get that from the Book right. of Acts and from right. the Bible, from the right. epistles. Right. What I get is." Uh, a church that is facing opposition from outside and inside, a church that has weak and flawed and frail leadership, um, and a church that limps across the finish line. What we do get is a gospel that continues to bear fruit in and through this church and a, a, a leader, Jesus, who continues to lead his church. And so I think for me it was just so, uh, I resonated with that because we get this mentality sometimes. I think it's an, an Americanized view of the church of we're going to be successful more than conquerors, da 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 da. Well, we're ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation. We're also witnesses, and we can't forget that the root word of witness, is, uh, witness comes from martyr. Mm-hmm. So we're called to sacrifice and yeah. lay down our life. We're not called to overpower. And I think we have to consider our role in bearing witness to Jesus, that's that's our call. It's humiliation and sacrifice. Mm. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so good. That's uh, it's not what we want to hear. There's something a, we want to be part of turning the tables over. We want to be part of. Hey, Jesus, tell me tell me what to throw down. I'll throw it down. Uh, yeah, and we can that's do it. yeah, we can do it. Um, I'm here for that, and. You know that's just not the that's just not where we are in the story. That's not our role. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Um, of course, that doesn't mean you know that we can't oppose injustice. That we can't you know work politically for a more just world. That we can't right. you know all of this other stuff that we can certainly do. It's just that we're not we're not God doing it. Uh, you know we're flawed vessels uh, working you know, to enact some of the justice of the kingdom uh, here. And it's just a different sort of thing. I just think that when we, I think when we remember who Jesus really is now and and when he returns, what will happen, it, it should allow me to sort of relax. And I'm, I'm okay it's okay that the church looks like it's weak and losing because it seems like it always looks like it's weak and losing. Uh, and that's how it's winning. Um, and really, you know, the transformation of individual people and families through the gospel and the Holy spirit is the work of the church and all the real change that comes from that. And we just trust the king, our king, that all this other stuff will work out, that we don't have a grand strategy for, you know, I don't know, 
market share or, um, you know, I don't know, as some sort of world domination. Um, you know, we used to joke about that, you know, what's the mission of Calvary Church? World domination. Because uh, it's sort of, you know, there's sort I mean, our, you know, entities, companies or whatever. Well, we, you know, ultimately we'd like to, like everyone in the world own one of our products. Uh, and it's easy to think of, you know, the world that way or the church that way. Uh, when really we're sort of called to be much more, much more trees and much less forest and we'll let, let God worry about the forest. Uh, and all of that mm. is made easier if we remember who he really is now, you know, what's going to happen in the future, what's faithful, faithfulness look like. All of that's tied up with an accurate picture uh, of Jesus uh, that I think it's just so easy to forget. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, I mean, there's probably a reason then, I mean, that's, it seems like bound up in all of that, there's maybe a motivation for us not to think of Jesus correctly. Because we like to be the people. You know, we like to be the prophet, right? Yeah, and we, I'm going to drop this and we don't know we're out of time, but I think it was Carl Barth who said, you know, when we talk about God, we're talking about ourselves with a megaphone. Mm. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. We get Jesus wrong because we crafted him in our image. Our image, right. Who, who would do what I would do. Yes, right. Yeah, no, you, yeah, obviously, <clears throat> no, you hear that a lot and you can still, and people actually say, well, my Jesus would never, my God would never, which, I mean, you don't have one, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he exists outside of you. Uh, you know, it is our role to respond to him. He doesn't, it's not his role to respond to us. Um, and so I think that's as we, as we are entering in this season of, you know, Good Friday is coming and the resurrection is coming. I think it behooves us just to, you know, remember the transfiguration, remember John in the, you know, opening, cha in the opening chapter of Revelation, you know, remember uh, the glory, the glory of God that we, that is true right now as we speak. And that is the God we worship. That is the God we serve. And that's the God. That's the part we miss. That's the God who died for us, who was, like that glorious king whom John, John sees and falls over dead is the one who is humiliated and dies and suffers for us, which is, it's so much more miraculous than just simply a man doing that for us. He is a man doing that for us, but he's the God man doing that for us, which is kind of mind blowing. Um, and so, yeah, we'll leave you with that, with that thought that as we worship Jesus, this as you know, as we enter in this Easter season, that uh, you know, let's remember to worship the God Man, the glorious King, and marvel that the glorious King hung, hung on a cross for us and was beaten for us and carried the cross, and and uh, the glorious king who will someday come in judgment said father forgive them for they know not what they do uh, and offers grace to us now uh, and let not i guess let's not take that lightly uh, and you know hopefully that will sharpen and expand our worship of him uh, this easter season uh, so with that grace and peace thanks for listening to rogue table talks a calvary church media productions podcast be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts